And sometimes it can be a little awkward of, you know, our celebration versus their celebration. Uh, but I'm, I like our celebration. I really do. I'm, I'm thankful uh, that we do know the, the reason why we give the gifts, why we, uh, you know, just celebrate. The, it's like one big party, uh, you know, the lights and everything. And I guess the viewpoint that people have, different aspects of, of what they're looking at and how they look at it is different. But whenever I see the beauty and just the, the wonderful things that are out there, I, I know that it's because of a Savior amen, that redeemed all of humanity, that we can go to heaven with him, amen, and have that ability to, to live above sin. I'm thankful, amen. I'm also glad for the, we've had a, a very busy uh, few weeks, a lot has been going on, and uh, I just, I trust everybody had a, a great Christmas, and uh, with their family, and, and even friends together, and that, that is just a, a time to, uh, to gather together, but as a church, we've had some fun things go on, the Christmas party, uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, we had Christmas caroling. Uh, that was a, a great time of being able to sing to uh, some elderly people that really did appreciate it. We had a, a good group uh, that, in fact, it was a, a very large group that we had uh, this year. And Sister Kathy and Sister DeLong made little bags for them. They passed them out. And uh, it was just a very uh, a good feeling. It's hot in there, uh, but, it, but it's a good feeling of being able to go in there and minister to them. And then the, the um, Christmas play was just awesome. I didn't really get to comment to you all. I wanted to uh, Sunday, and I, I forgot to do that. But it was just a great uh, Christmas play. I was really thankful for that. And, uh, and then Sunday, there was just a wonderful presence of the Lord that, that was here. And uh, it, was, it was just uh, uh, something that was already lingering when we walked through the doors. And I'm, I'm just thankful for the holidays. I'm thankful that we are uh, so blessed to be together and to be a, a, a church family to be able to celebrate together. So I'm, my heart's full today, and I, I just thank God for that. And uh, so I am going to shift gears tonight. We are uh, uh, preparing for the, the beginning of the new year. Uh, we've got, it seems like it's on us uh, very rapidly, and Sunday will be our last Sunday of the year. And I in January, we're going to be doing uh, a lot of fasting. Uh, well, relatively a lot of fasting. You may already fast more than that, but than what we are, but we're going to be having some church fasting, and I want to go over, uh, once a year I try to uh, just go over some things as far as fasting and exactly why we do what we do. If we're uh, giving up our comfort and, you know, pushing the plate away or however we're fasting, I think that we ought to have an understanding of how uh, effective it is and how needful it is for the apostolic church, amen, the Holy Ghost-filled church, uh, to fast and uh, to be able to get in tune with the Lord. And I'm going to come at it at a different angle tonight, and I, I want to combine both prayer and fasting tonight, and I think that uh, they, they really do go hand in hand. If we have one without the other, I don't think it's as effective, but whenever you have both going uh, together uh, in an effective manner, according to the Word of God, and I'm going to lay it out tonight, that it's very effective, and I, I believe that God uh, can allow us to go into a dimension that that uh, we've either gone to at times or we've yet to go to. Uh, I hate to say that you know like never before because I I, I want to respect our past because in our past experiences we've had some incredible uh, moves of God both uh, as individuals and as a church. So uh, I'm not saying that we've never gone to certain areas and. Perhaps there are some areas that we haven't gone to yet, 
but I do respect the, the moves of God and the things that have happened in your life and also in my own life uh, that I am thankful for. And, but I want to be continual. I don't want it to be a, a one-time thing and then be able to talk about it for the next 50 years, but I want it to be an ongoing thing to where this is what is happening in my life. This is what is happening in the Spirit, not just you know building a memorial to something that happened one time in my life and talk about it. And that's all I have to say about it. And, you know, the years get, you know, built upon year, uh, year after year. But I want to be able to have that ongoing relationship with the Lord. And I think this lesson tonight will help us to be able to tap into some things that I believe that God has for uh, the 21st century church. In fact, I believe that prayer is the most powerful force on the face of this earth. How many believe that? Amen. We, we have to believe that. We really have. It takes faith to believe that that prayer can change things. You know, uh, we hear about prayer all the time. It's a very basic concept, but we cannot lose the depths of the meaning of it and what it really represents, all right? But there's nothing better than a human being that they can engage in than prayer because I believe that it does work. But the struggle is not, I don't believe, unanswered prayer, but a lot of times it's unoffered prayer, it's things that we're not praying about. It's, you know, not even really thinking about uh, bringing things to the Lord because we get so wrapped up in our everyday life, and I'm as guilty as anybody. You're just, you know, you're in the, the reality of life, and you're going through, you know, the responsibilities, and, and they're not real spiritual things. You know, a lot of things are not spiritual that we deal with every day, and so we have a tendency sometimes to be dealing with such unnatural uh, issue or, or things in our life that that the concept of prayer, when we really need to interject that, prayer is just, you know, kind of like, oh, yeah, we could pray about that. You know, it's almost like a, a second thought. So it's not the unanswered prayers that, that, you know, can bum us out. It's the unoffered prayers that we're not even praying about certain things. So I would encourage all of us to bring everything to the Lord in prayer. Amen? Now, there's an element, and this is what I want to talk about tonight, that I think that as we are offering prayers to the Lord, for them to have uh, just a special uh, prayer boost, if you will, or just a power boost, is to, to bring fasting with that prayer. And so I want to entitle this night, Praying with Fasting. And, and so I, we will be having scheduled fasting. We usually do that in January and also in October. Uh, but hopefully we're, we're fasting more than that. But as a corporate, as a church body, uh, we try to, you know, get out of the, come out of the gate running and, you know, really allowing God to, to move in a, a mighty way in January. Our, our hearts are together. Our minds are together. Our focus uh, is on God. And then, you know, then after a few months, uh, maybe we need to draw back together. And by September, October, uh, we're ready to just, you know, hit it again. And it really does help. I, I really, I, I, Pray that you're a part of these uh, these corporate prayer and fastings. Uh, but the missing element, I think, is many times in our prayer lives is the the fasting part. And and the Bible lets us know. We'll go to Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 18. And these are the words of Jesus. And we will go back to the scripture uh, towards the end. But I, I do want to make reference to it to let you know that this is a, a biblical foundational message that I am teaching tonight. It says, "And Jesus rebuked the devil." And he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And it goes on to say, Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. 
Okay? Now, the disciples, they were very spiritual men. They loved the Lord. They were very committed to the things of God. But bringing their best and bringing all the spirituality they had was still not enough. And it frustrated them because they were just doing what they knew to do. And sometimes we can fall in that same category. You know, uh, and I felt it. I know that you have felt it as well. Uh, the church is doing everything it knows to do. I mean, praying and fasting and being faithful. But yet sometimes it, it feels like the, the effort that we're putting forth is not coming back as a, as a gain or reward. So I, I do understand that. But, but the element sometimes I think that we're missing out on is that whatever happens in the Spirit, whatever we have that's going to be significant and eternal is going to come from the Lord. It's not going to be our effort. It's not going to be our works. It's not going to be, uh, you know, our, us being clever with ideas and programs. And all those things are fine and, and good, but the true source is going to be the Lord. And that's why he said, this cometh out, not out, but by prayer and fasting. And fasting, probably the, the number one concept of, of fasting is that flesh is being, you know, submitted. And flesh is saying, you know, when you're fasting, you're saying, no, 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 no. You cannot eat, or you know, you won't eat, or I will not eat. And and so you're what you're doing is you're subduing the flesh. It's not in control. It's not the one that's uh, in the driver's wheel, I think that I referred to on Sunday, but yet we have an understanding that flesh, you need to take a, a back seat. Carnality, you need to get in the in the in the trailer way back in the in the back there. But I want the spirit to drive me. I want the spirit to be number one. And there's nothing better to remind us that the flesh uh, needs to be in submission than that of fasting. Because it doesn't want to fast. It has no desire to fast. And let me tell you, as you get older, uh, it doesn't get any easier. Can I get an amen from somebody? As you get older, fasting is more difficult, I think, than, than it was uh, at least for my life, I'm just testifying myself, is whenever I was younger. When I was younger, fasting was not as much of a big deal. Uh, but as you get older, maybe, maybe I'm just different. Maybe the older folks that are here today, and remember I said older, I didn't put an age on that. Uh, but as you do get older, maybe it gets easier for you. But, but that's not even the issue. The, the issue is, is that we need to understand that fasting is very power, powerful. This lesson, as we uh, unfold this lesson tonight, uh, the practice of prayer and fasting, I think that we'll have an understanding that it spans both the Old Testament and the New Testament. There were great men and women that, as you know, the, the thread that kind of, you know, uh, weaves its way through the Word of God, you'll see that great men and women of the, of the Word were men and women that, that knew how to fast and they knew how to pray. And they did that together. And as a result, I believe that was part of why uh, the, 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 the men and women of old in the Word of God were used in a great way. Now, I think that as we look at the, uh, as, you know, for a generation, I, I think that uh, probably very important that we as, you know, the adults that are here tonight, that we don't lose fasting. I think that, that we need to keep the concept alive. As years go on, it seems like a lot of times the church lets go of, of certain things, and that and that's fine. I, I had no problems uh, letting go of the hymnals. We still sing out of them uh, some on Sunday, but I didn't have any problem with uh, letting go of that and putting the songs on the screen. But there are some things that I refuse to let go of. 
And fasting is one of them. I think it is a con- I think that communion is important. I think these concepts and, and the Word of God lets us know uh, that, that these are important things that the church must do. But we have to keep them alive as adults. We have to, in other words, to your kids, they need to know, you know, that you are fasting, that you are praying, that, that the things that uh, perhaps that, you know, the denominal world might be letting go of and say, well, that's no big deal. Uh, if we want to keep them alive from generation to the next generation, we need to communicate and, and be a part of that concept or that, that uh, act of fasting, uh, for example, and make sure that they know that that's part of this generation that's to be passed down to the next generation. Otherwise, we will lose it. Now, the greatest motivation, I think, to pray is answered prayer. Amen? There's nothing better that would make me want to pray more than to know that God answered a prayer. Amen? And so if I want to promote prayer, the best way to promote it is to have somebody testify and say, you know, I prayed about this, and the prayer was answered. And I would encourage you that whenever you pray about something and God answers a prayer, make sure that you either testify about it, and I'll make sure that you have time to testify. If it's a, if it's a miracle and God answered your prayer, I want to make sure you are the ones that I want to testify on Wednesdays. In fact, if, we, if you can't wait till Wednesday, uh, fill out a victory report. Uh, there's a little card on the uh, one side is a prayer request. The other side is a victory report. Fill that out, put it on the pulpit, and we'll make sure the church hears about it. And if it's too detailed and I'm confused by your, uh, you know, how long it is or can't read your writing, then I'll give you the microphone and I'll let you testify about it. But my point is we need to testify about the goodness of the Lord. We need to make sure that, that the prayers that are answered are being propagated and promoted and just at least communicated that God is still answering prayer. All right, let's look at what fasting is. Many people have different ideas on what it means uh, to fast, but I want to define clearly uh, what the Word of God has to say about fasting. I know I, I probably taught a, a few of these things in the, in the past, but this part of the lesson I want to rehearse again uh, to where we know exactly what fasting is. The absolute fast, Acts chapter 9 and verse number 8, says, And Saul arose from the earth, and he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Okay, this is when the Lord was... Uh, moving on Saul, and God was, I mean, literally uh, calling him and saving him. And, and so he went with a fast where he abstained from eating and drinking. Now, this is a very rare fast. It's not a fast that uh, I would even recommend unless you know uh, that the Lord has laid that on your heart. He told you directly uh, to fast without food and without drink. But that has to be, I mean, a word from the Lord because, uh, you know, you don't go into that lightly. That's not something you just, you know, just out of being uh, zealous and, and excited to go and say, you know, I'm not going to eat or drink uh, for the next two weeks. I wouldn't recommend that at all. In fact, I wouldn't recommend whatever the, you know, the time is of not being able to drink. I would not recommend going beyond that, that, that amount of time. Now, the food is a different story. And the food fast, Matthew chapter 4 in verse number two, it says, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward unhungered. And it's talking about Christ himself. Now, that means not to eat, but there is the drink involved. And I think this is probably the most uh, prevalent fast that, that we as the people of God uh, uh, are a part of. I think that we, we uh, participate in this food fast more than any kind of fast. And this is what I recommend. Uh, one thing about a food fast is that our body, a healthy body, is able to handle not having food for many days. 
Now, you may not think that or you may not want to know that, uh, but, uh, and I'm not talking about medication and all that, but if you're, you're a healthy individual and you're, you know, you're uh, not, you know, 70 pounds soaking wet, uh, if you have a little, you know, meat on your bones or whatever, you are able to fast more uh, than a meal, more than a day, more than two days. In fact, you could go many days. So I, I really want us to understand that. Sometimes I'm like, you know, well, don't hurt yourself and be careful. But at the same time, I don't want to rob somebody of really fasting and getting a hold of, of breaking a stronghold or allowing God to do a deep work in their life. So it's not going to harm you uh, uh, to, to go a few days without food. All right. I've never said that before, but I, I feel like sometimes that, you know, we go the other way so much that, that we need to challenge each other a little bit. Amen? All right. Still with me? All right. Let's go to the Daniel fast. This is a little bit, uh, a little bit different. Daniel chapter 10 and verse number 3. It says, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, this is not abstaining from food or abstaining from a drink. This is eating certain kinds of food, all right? So this is the Daniel fast. How many have been on the, on the Daniel fast? All right, quite a few of us have, have been on the Daniel fast. And uh, this is something that, you know, uh, is an interesting fast. It's not my favorite fast. You think it would be because you can just eat whatever you want all the time, vegetables and fruit and all that. But it's not, a, it's not an easy fast. We did this one time for 40 days, and I, I don't know if I've really done it. Well, I, we did it a couple times since, but not for 40 days. And it was one of the hardest fasts. I, I promised my wife that I'd rather go without food for 40 days than to eat like that. Because I literally, we'd go to Mazio's. I, this was years ago. And we would have, I mean, salad. And we, we did it the hardcore way. We didn't have dressing or anything like that with our salads. It was, it was really rough. Maybe that's why I don't like the Daniel fast, because we did it right. <laughs> These other churches, I'm like, well, oh, that's not even a fast, you know? That's a losing weight gimmick. But, uh, but it still is hard. It really is, even with the dressings or whatever they have with it. Uh, it is a, a very difficult diet, because, or a diet, fast. <laughs> Let's keep it in perspective here. But, but as you, I mean, you know, it wasn't 30 minutes later, an hour later, you could just feel that gnawing hungry and hunger and emptiness in your belly. And it's just almost a miserable, but you know, maybe that would be something that you could, uh, would be good for you. The Daniel fast. Maybe we'll do that again sometime in the future. Uh, then there's the fasting from entertainment and media. And this is absence from anything that hinders uh, communication with God, uh, could apply here, uh, and, in many forms, whatever would uh, break that communication or would hinder that time with the Lord. Uh, this type of abstinence is very beneficial, uh, not only to the individual, but I believe also to the church. I think that sometimes we need to just kind of break the extreme cycle uh, that we can find ourselves in. And it's very easy uh, to get into the binge watching to the, you know, the, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever that is a constant, you know, almost like a duty that you have to check it and look at it. And it's a crazy cycle. And I'm not being critical, but I'm just saying it is a, it's something that can really overtake 
uh, your, your life and to where you're almost, you know, uh, being so controlled by that. And, and so, it, and there's nothing wrong with, with it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it if it's done right, but anything that is so controlling to us or that we feel so obligated to that has no benefit other than, you know, just kind of being connected and there's nothing wrong with that per se. But if there's no spiritual benefit to something that we feel very obligated to and committed to, then I think that there are other things that we could be more committed to and obligated to than the, the media. Amen? I think I ought to get 100% amen on that. Because it's very true that we need to be connected more to the Lord and obligated to Him uh, than it is uh, the things of this, this world, whether they're right or wrong. And there's nothing, I'm not preaching against that, but we have to be very careful that it doesn't overtake us. And then the, the last one that I want to cover tonight is fasting from negative talk. And instead of talking uh, badly about somebody, you look to you know, look for something good to say about them. Uh, instead of speaking negative words, you speak positive words. And I think the goal here is to do it all the time, right? Not just two weeks a year. Amen? That ought to be the goal is that we don't talk bad about other people. We don't run them down. We're not always negative and, you know, uh, being negative about things. I think the goal ought to be uh, to, to refresh our minds and to look at things from a, a godly standpoint in a positive way. But sometimes a fast just reminds us that, you know, boy, I, I have really been in a pattern, again, that pattern uh, of just being negative and, and just looking at the negative side of things instead of uh, being, you know, more encouraging or more positive about uh, people or, you know, circumstances in my life. And I think that it, it allows us to get a different uh, viewpoint and vantage point. So they, these things are very healthy. All these fasts are very, very good. But the scope of, of praying with fasting is, I think, that to what degree should fasting be practiced and who should practice it? You know, is this for just anybody? Is anybody able to be a part of this uh, uh, a fasting process. And I, I think the, uh, you know, the answer is yes. Even if, if it's a child, uh, you know, of course, we're not going to make them go without food and, and all that, but there might be something, a, a cookie for dessert or whatever it might be. And once they understand and they, they have an understanding of what, you know, it is to, you know, give up some things for the Lord, then I don't think there's any, anything wrong with that at all. You know, I wouldn't push them too hard, but just gently lead them and have them give something up. Uh, just, you know, and say, you know, we're just going to give this up for the Lord. You love to do that, and there's nothing wrong with it. But, uh, you know, let's just, let's just focus on this for a little while. And I, I think that that would be a wonderful thing to be able to teach our children at a young age to be able to uh, understand the concept of fasting. Prayer will help you achieve that highest result while fasting. You know, what is the point of fasting without praying and being crabby all day? You know, what is the point in that? If we're going to be, you know, just kind of irritable and, you know, just uh, not ourselves, then at least we need to give some time to prayer and be able to focus on, God, I'm irritable. I'm in a bad mood right now. I don't feel, you know, like myself. And, you know, but yet I, I do want to spend time with you and I want you to have an opportunity to talk to my heart. I, I want to be open to what you have to say. And I love what Brother Mobley said. He, he said a few weeks ago after church to me and I wanted him to share it with the church. Sometimes it's good just to sit back and listen. And just say, God, just talk to me. You know, sometimes I, I do a lot of talking when I pray. 
And it just talk, 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 talk. And, you know, I'm always uttering words. And I feel like that's what prayer is, right? It's me talking to God. But true prayer is allowing there to be a two-way communication, Sister Scogley, to where the Lord talks to you. And even through the Spirit. I love uh, the Monday night prayer time, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, the Spirit. You know, praying in tongues and, and, and just praying in the Spirit and allowing the, the Spirit to speak through you or just to listen and to sit there and allow the Word of God to, to, to feed you and to speak uh, uh, just words of inspiration into your heart. And, and those are the times that I believe that in the, the times of fasting that we're more in tune to the Spirit and we're able to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. So that is, is very effective. Joel chapter 2 In verse number 15, it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. So this is nothing new. This is a very... Uh, uh, very uh, orthodox and a, a very, uh, you know, Old Testament concept that still continued on the New Testament. It said in verse number 16, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children. goes on to say, let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priest the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. In other words, there's a feeling of responsibility. It's not just a job. It's not just a duty. It's not, well, we got a, you know, we got Wednesday coming. We got Sunday. Uh, time to go to work. Time to, you know, no, that's not what it's about. It's a lot more than that. There needs to be a, a calling or a feeling and a burden of what the Lord is trying to do and speak to the people. And so this is, this is something that's not just, you know, uh, for the, you know, just the, the, the saints of God, and we're all saints, but it does give the, the uh, understanding here in verse number 17 that it's for the priest and the ministers. They're the ones to, to, to lead the way in it, to show that this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to hear from the Lord. There's a, there's a calling going forth here. So we will gather together. Uh, for three weeks uh, in January, and we will be fasting together. There will be a solemn assembly. We won't have a solemn assembly. I guess this is the solemn assembly tonight, uh, but we will be gathering together and fasting, amen, and, and uh, letting it be known that we are, we're going to, as a church body, uh, we're going to do this together. Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 5, it says, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. I'll, I'll never forget whenever we went to, uh, and you may think this is uh, kind of shallow, uh, but at Sight and Sound Theater in Branson, uh, they did Jonah. Has anybody seen the Jonah? All right, a few of you have. You know, you might laugh at me, those who went and maybe not. I had tears running down my cheeks. When it came to them rejecting the gospel and uh, rejecting the words and the, 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 the preaching to, to Jonah, uh, there was a rejection going on. But then it, it, something turned whenever they began to uh, fast. I'm not sure exactly how they portrayed that. But there was a change in the people where they were crying out for it. They were, they were reaching for it. And it was just a, a, a beautiful thing that, that, uh, I, I just, uh, that I took from it is that it was almost like a, a 
hunger came upon them. And the Spirit of the Lord started dealing with them and pulling out uh, whatever faith they had or whatever desire they had or whatever spirituality they had, the Spirit began to pull it out of them. And I believe that the, the world is in the same shape. They, they don't know what they need. They don't know what they're rejecting. They don't, even, they don't even know that they're rejecting it per se. But there's something about the Spirit. When the Spirit of the Lord begins to move upon a heart, they begin to change, and there begins to be a hunger, and that is what I'm praying for in our, in our, in our city and the surrounding cities, is that there will be a hunger for the things of God, that something will awaken in their heart, and God will begin to draw them, but you know what? It's going to come by prayer and fasting. I think that they're not going to do it. They're not going to pray and they're not going to fast because they don't even understand any of that. But I think that the church, whenever we are called to have a burden for them, and, and I'm talking about a holy burden. I'm not saying that we need to have a burden for souls like a concern that we all ought to have. I think any Christian ought to have a, 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 in some sort of a desire to see the, the, uh, sa the unsaved saved. But I'm talking about a holy burden where the Lord begins to move upon the heart and you know it's a deep thing. And you know the Lord begins to pull things out of you. That's what I'm praying for. And I think that whenever that happens and the church is awakened and, and there's just a, a shaking in the spirit, that that's when God will begin to add to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen? All right. The purpose of praying with fasting, it's not to impress others. It's not trying to prove something to others. That's not why we do it. We're not, you know, uh, trying to say, you know, I can do this or I did that and, you know, and I'm, I'm fasting. So, you know, look at me and woe is me. And we may not think that. In fact, I don't think any of us would actually do that. But we need to be careful that we don't portray that, that, you know, in a, in a sort of way, you know, in our subconscious, we're, we're communicating our sacrifice. I think that whenever we are doing this at the highest level, uh, that we are doing it unto the Lord. We're not doing it unto ourselves. We're not doing it unto others. We're not doing it to be compared or to be esteemed by others. Uh, but we are, you know, I, I think we need to communicate with our children, let them know that fasting is important, but not for their, their concern or, you know, oh, daddy or, you know, or, oh, mommy, you know, you need to, you need to eat some. No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to do this for the Lord. You know, I don't think any of us would do that, but in a, in a high, at the highest level of fasting, I think that we need to just do it strictly unto the Lord. In fact, the word of God in Matthew chapter six and verse number 16 it says, moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, and they, uh, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. You know, they're going to be rewarded by the esteem of, of their fellow man, and that's not much of a reward. You talk about shallow, because, you know, one day they might compliment you and think a lot of you, but the next day they might think, well, you know, I remember when you did this, and it might even turn around to the to your detriment. It might be a negative. So that is a very shallow reward. That's not the reward that you're going after. But verse 17 says, but thou, when thou fast, anoint thine head. In other words, clean up, look fresh, wash thy face, that thou may appear not unto men to fast. Now, because remember, fasting is not about you. That's the whole point of fasting. The whole point is, is that we are trying to uh, uh, cause the, the, the carnal man to be obedient to the spiritual. 
We're, we're trying to get rid of the carnal man. We're trying to get rid of flesh. We're trying to get rid of pride. We're trying to get rid of, of self-promotion. That's what fasting is all about. So if we're doing just the opposite, then the fast is not going to do anything for us at all. But give us that natural reward, uh, as Matthew uh, let us know. Uh, don't bother to fast if you're not living right and doing right. Now, let me clarify this a little bit because, uh, you know, after I put that down, I thought, well, you know, there could be strongholds and there could be some things that, that they need help with. And that is biblical. You know, as I, I'm reading and I'm really looking at this, I had to understand and come to my, um, to my understanding of what it is to, to have a, an effective fast for it to really be effective. Now, if you're living in sin and you're doing things that you know you shouldn't do, what do you need to do before you fast? You need to repent. See, fasting is not going to cause you to be forgiven. Repentance is. All right? Now, perhaps, now this is the kicker here. You might have a stronghold, and there might be something really deep in your spirit that causes you every now and again to do what you just repented over. And you've seen the pattern. You know there's a pattern there. You know, I, we, can, we can debate and we can get into, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, did you really repent? Uh, did, you know, how, how much did you repent? Uh, I'll tell you one of the best messages on repentance that I ever heard was when I was about 15 or 16 years old was Chester Wright at the Salt Lake City, uh, uh, Utah General Conference. It was the most incredible message that I heard on repentance ever. In fact, I, I was talking to a minister, one of our elders, about that very uh, message, and he remembered it. He said, yes, I, I remember that. And that was many, many years ago in the 80s. Uh, and so, but it was an incredible message about repentance. So, you know, we can, I can, uh, we can talk about that. I could preach on it and all that. And I, you know, so repentance is very, very important. Is repentance enough to cause us not to sin again? I think so. I really do. I think that when we truly repent and we get our minds made up, that we ought to be able to be above that sin. But there could be strongholds. There could be some things that, that are very deep in our spirit that might even be generational curses that have gone on that we inherited uh, from a, a, a previous generation or maybe two or three generations ahead. And the Word of God will back me up on that. So those, I do believe that, that, that there needs to be some fasting. There needs to be focused prayer. There needs to be repenting while the fasting is going on in order to, to really be delivered from that uh, stronghold that might have you just, uh, just doing all kinds of things that it wants you to do. You know, there, there could be a manipulation in the, in, the, in the kingdom of darkness on your life because of generational curses. So I'm not saying that you ought not to repent. I'm not saying that you ought not to, to fast, but these are things very effective. Let's look at the Word of God here, and this kind of this kind of explain what I'm talking about. Isaiah chapter 58, verse number one it says, "Shout it out! Do not hold back! Raise your voice like a trumpet! Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out." And this is a very powerful scripture. This is very powerful, and you can see the. Uh, just the, the, the depths of why, you know, we need to make sure that our hearts are right before we start fasting. I'm going to read this again because it's very powerful. I don't want you to miss it. Uh, shout it out. Do not hold back. 
Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. You know, that, that is a, a very strong word. Because rebellion can be hid in many ways, can't it? Amen? You know, I could have some rebellion in my heart that I didn't even know about until I'm challenged. And then all, and I, it's happened before, and I'm like, where in the world did that come from? I didn't even know I had that in me. Anybody ever deal with that? And you're like, oh my goodness, I, you know, that, that challenge in the spirit, or whatever it is, just, <laughs> I got to know myself a little better, Sister Sarah. You know, I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't know that was way down there. You know why? Because who can know the heart? Yeah, I can't know it. You can't know it. The Bible says you can't know your heart. You think that you're, you know, doing what's right and, you know, you got everything on the, you know, you're fine and dandy. And then all of a sudden you're challenging the uh, spirit and, and whatever it might be. And all of a sudden things begin to come out. Well, that's what happened to the house of Jacob, to their sins. And it says, for day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its, of its God. Okay, they act like they haven't forsaken the commands of God. Almost like they're doing everything right. They act it. They think it. I believe that they were convinced about it. That's what's, that's what's so dangerous about it right here. They thought that everything they were doing was right. You know, the... Uh, uh, the ways of men, they, they think that it's right. That, uh, help me out with the scripture. I can't even think of that scripture right now. Um, the seemeth right unto a man, but the... Help me out. Somebody quote it. What, what's the whole scripture, though? That's it. Thank you. See, we can think it, and we can know. I knew there's a scripture that applied to that. I couldn't think of it. But we think that, you know, everything is right. In our minds, it's all laid out perfectly. And it seems like that's the way it ought to be. But that's not the way it is. Amen? And I'll tell you this. Whenever you begin to pray and fast and get and submit, cause that flesh and that carnal man to take that back seat, you find out who you really are. And you begin to understand that I need to get over some things in my life. Uh, verse 3 says, Why have we fasted? They say, and you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? You know, you haven't even noticed that we've humbled ourselves and you're not even noticing what, what we're doing here. Well, I think your motives are wrong. I, it could be right. Yet on the day of your, your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. You fa your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. You in other words, they're doing it, whatever they want to do. And at the end of the day, there's quarreling, there's strife, uh, striking each other, wicked fists. That's going to the extreme here. And this is the NIV version. Uh, you cannot fast as you do today except your voice, be, uh, your voice to be heard on high. So that's not even the fast. Your, your heart's not right is what he's saying. So you're wasting your time. Amen? If the heart's not right... You can cover it with all the spirituality and you can look at it and you can act in all this. But if the heart's not right, it's still going to be a, an issue going on inside of us. Amen? So we need to repent. We need to make sure our heart is right. Fasting uh, will not fix you. True repentance and submission will. And I think the key word here is submission. I think that's really more than anything. I think that's the healing in, in many of our lives more than anything is submitting Submission, a spirit of submission is very, very important. Amen? 
Uh, we must fast with the right spirit. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. <laughs> Let me read it again. If my people which are called by my name, if you are called by my name, you're going to humble yourselves, you're going to pray, you're going to seek my face, and you're going to turn away from those things that are wicked. That is the word of God. You can't get mad at me for reading the word of God, right? That is the word of God. And so these are things that we must do in order to allow the spirit to speak to us. We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to pray, seek his face, and then turn from uh, our wicked ways. Now, fasting keeps the flesh under control. First uh, Corinthians chapter nine and verse number 27 says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, this is the Apostle Paul talking about himself. You know, I can talk it. I can preach it. I can tell it. I can yell it. I can, you know, I can just, you know, really be effective with my words. I can even have enticing words and men's wisdom. But if I don't have it in my own heart, and it can apply, whether it be the pulpit or the pew, it applies to every one of us. We can talk it, but that's not good enough. We've got to live it. We've got to be it more than anything. Amen. I'd rather see a message any day than to hear one. Amen? All right. Practical tips for developing a life of praying with fasting. And these are, this are a couple practical things. Take small steps. Uh, your body will grow to be accustomed to fasting by degrees. Don't leave here. And I don't think anybody, I don't think I've been that inspiring tonight for you to leave here and fast for 40 days. But just don't do it. If you're that inspired by tonight, you know, if you've never fasted, you know, two days in your life, uh, don't, don't bite that much off, you know, just come in increments and, and prepare yourself. In fact, if you haven't gone, you know, a full or a day or more than that, just, you know, do a couple meals and get yourself acclimated uh, to not having that, that food. And, and let me say, I'm just going to say it because it, it's the responsible thing to do. If you're on medication and you can't fast, then you can fast something. It, but don't, don't push it with the food. If you need that food in your body for your medication, then, you know, you can fast something else. There's different fasts that you can be on uh, without being on a food fast. But, but fast nonetheless. No matter what, you can uh, fast something. I think I covered things that we all could fast. But take small steps. Don't, uh, you know, go on a partial fast and then uh, extend it from there. Uh, realize that fasting is sometimes more difficult uh, than other times, and it can be more difficult for others as it is for maybe yourself. Maybe you don't have a problem with fasting, but your spouse does. Don't make fun of them. Don't put them down. Don't tease them. And, uh, you know, like, you know, you're not as spiritual as I am because I fast a lot. This is not a spiritual matter. It's not always a spiritual matter. It can be at the end of the fast, but it depends on how you're fasting. You know, the one fasting none, no days, Versus one that's fasting, you know, 10 days might be more spiritual than the one that's fasting 10 days, according to the reasons and the motives behind the fast. That's what matters. It's all about the, the motives and, and the reason why we're doing things. Uh, know that people who are not spiritual will not understand your consecration to fasting, nor will they fast themselves. Not only do they not understand it, they might even be a negative thing. Fast anyway. 
You know, don't debate them. Don't get into a discussion with them. Just fast, you know, and God can deal with them or they can, uh, he, God can lead them into a, another dimension of, of spirituality. Uh, but they may not understand. They might even try to talk you out of any kind of fast. Uh, but, but fast anyway. Somehow, some way, allow that fast and be a part of your life. Uh, understand the toll of your body, uh, the toll that your body will go through when embarking on an extended fast. There are some things that, you know, will cause you to be affected. And, affected. and one of those things is your energy level. You're, you're gonna, your energy level will go down. And I think that's probably the hardest thing about an extended fast. It's not necessarily the, you know, the hunger, because the hunger goes away after the third day. It's the weakness, and it's the, almost the fatigue. And that can be very difficult, especially if you're working a job, uh, you know, a physical job, or you're, you know, maybe something that, people's lives could be in danger. Be very conscious of that. And, you know, you might think, well, this is awful, awful practical, but sometimes we need a reminder that it's okay that if you're feeling bad and you're, you're driving an 18-wheeler and you're just going weaving all, all around the road and, you know, pull over and get a candy bar, <laughs> you know, or something to where you don't wipe my family out right. or somebody else's or kill yourself. So, you know, on the practical side, you know, don't, don't allow, you know, your spiritual uh, thoughts to override the practicality of, of destroying somebody's life or your, your own life. Uh, the season of fasting will create a confrontation with the powers of darkness. There will be a confrontation with both prayer and fasting. Whenever you, you give yourself to extra prayer and fasting and you, are, you know that the Lord is trying to do something and, and you know it's a spiritual calling, don't be surprised if all kinds of goofy stuff uh, begins to happen. <laughs> Amen? Don't be surprised at all. And uh, I, I mean, I could testify of this for a little while because, you know, you start moving into a realm and trying to you know, allow God to do some extra things or whatever you feel compelled by the Spirit, uh, there are some goofy things that begin to happen. Whether it be a building program or a fast, uh, goofy things can happen. But stay the course and understand that those issues were always there, but God allows them to be dealt with and they come to surface at certain points when we are ready uh, to deal with them. Whether it be a corporate body or an individual or in a family, uh, when we are ready to deal with them and God says it's time, then it's going to, you know, it's going to come down. You know, it's going to happen. But we need to make sure that we are ready in the spirit that we're praying and fasting in the, in the right mind. Because at these times, and this is my advice to you as family members, whenever you're dealing with spirits or whatever in your, your life or at your job or whatever, understand that fighting that with carnality in the flesh is not going to do it. It's going to just make it worse. And then, I mean, it, that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to fight it with flesh. He wants us to fight it with a sword and with a fist and with anger and emotions. And you know what? We will not. We will not succeed. It will not be a battle that we win. And that's why with this fasting, we are at least allowing God's spirit to be in control to where the flesh says, oh, we're not, you getting, you back, get back here. You know, we don't need you right now. This is a very spiritual matter. And so we're going to deal with this in the spirit, not with the, the sword, not with the, the fist, not with the emotions or fear or anger or whatever, but we're going to deal with it in the spiritual realm. So don't be surprised when you are ready and you all, all of a sudden these things begin to happen. 
Keep your composure. Stay the course. Understand that this is a spiritual matter. I'm not going to be emotionally entangled by this. I'm not going to be caught up in the moment of it emotionally, but I'm going to, I'm going to have faith in the Lord. Amen? I'm going to have faith in the Lord. I'm going to say, God, this is not my battle. This is your battle. And I'm going to allow you to fight this battle. You give me the words to speak, Lord, and that battle will be fought. And that's a beautiful thing. That's what we need to do every day in our lives, whether it be at work or church or family or whatever it might be. We need to walk in the Spirit and allow the Lord to speak to our hearts. While fasting, inundate yourself with a heavy dose of Scripture. Let the Word of God lead you. Keep yourself and any unusual spiritual experience because there's going to be unusual spiritual experiences that might happen uh, when you're fasting and when you're really praying. There's going to be some unusual things that happen, but keep yourself under authority. Make sure that you communicate with your pastor. Make sure that you're not you know, going way out there on the, you know, on the, uh, the edge somewhere uh, because you know, you're really feeling the Lord. and It's a God thing, but always stay under authority. Make sure you don't get too far out there because then you'll be, you could be in danger and, and it, your, your zeal could eat you up. It could be something that consumes you so much that you're not able to handle it uh, in the right manner. All right, good teaching tonight. All right, how, do you, how you break your fast depends upon the degree and length of the fast. And again, uh, I've had a uh, conversation with individuals on how to, to break a fast. And uh, so be very careful. Don't overdo it. And thankfully, uh, that has not been done. Uh, but just use wisdom with it. Understand that uh, when your body is being deprived of food, uh, you just don't go, you know, get all kinds of whatever kind of food that could just uh, tear you up, you know. Uh, just be very careful with that on how you break uh, that fast. Amen. Uh, I'm going to quickly, I'm going to finish up real quickly here. There are many things that prayer and fasting can and will accomplish. And, and a lot of these are uh, mentioned in Isaiah uh, chapter 58, verses 6 to, 6 to 12. Let me skim quickly through this. And this is a very important part of the lesson tonight. Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness? And this is why the fasting. Remember I said don't fast if you're living in sin. Repent. Make sure that you clean up and that you know you're, the slate is clean and, and you've repented. I still stand on that. But I do know that there are some uh, bands of wickedness. There's some strongholds that might still be lingering. You know, again, that second, third generation that might be coming down that you've inherited still understand that repent. And while you're fasting, continue to repent in order to where God can do a, a great work and to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens. If you've got burdens tonight, you know a, a fast can help lift those burdens from you. And I feel that in the Holy Ghost right now. God can help lift those burdens. If you pray with your fasting, those burdens can be lifted. To let the oppressed go free, that ye break every yoke. Hallelujah. What would happen if every yoke that we carry, <laughs> whether we know about them or not, some of them we don't even know we're carrying, but if every yoke that we have is broken and we feel free and we're not intimidated, we're not inhibited, we're not fearful, but all we know is, God, I've been set free. I love everybody. I'm, I'm a brother and a sister to everybody. I'm not, I don't harbor any kind of feelings. I don't have anything from my past. I'm just free in you, God. He that the Son is set free, the Bible says, is free indeed. 
And so it's the will of God for all these yokes to be broken. Can you imagine as, as a church that every yoke that we carry, every prejudice we have, every thought that we have, everything that we, re, we remember about each other is just totally lifted. And all we see is, a, uh, is somebody saved by grace. Somebody that's just a, a fellow Amen. A pilgrim trying to make it to a destination. We don't see them as competition. We don't see them in any other way, but just as a soul that's trying to get to heaven. What would happen if every yoke that we have would be lifted? Every sin, every weight that so easily besets us, every, every bit of that is lifted. Well, the Bible says that through that, that fasting, that those things can be broken. Uh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, thy health shall spring forth speedily. Uh, it just, it's a very good scripture. I'd like to read it all, but uh, for the sake of time, it goes on to say in verse number 10, shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday. All of a sudden you see things like you've never saw them before. The Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make thy bones fat. Uh, thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. You know, it's almost like God removes and breaks down. And, but then in verse number 12, it says, The repairer of the breach, the restorer of the past to dwell in. He breaks what needs to be broken, and then he repairs and restores what needs to be put together again. Only God can do that. And some of you are so concerned about uh, loved ones and people and, and different things that you, know, you have no control over. But the Word of God says that God in a moment in one little, one little moment, he can break those walls. He can break, tear down those, those, uh, 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 just the, those binds that have us uh, uh, bound, but he can just remove them all. And then all of a sudden, at the very end, he said, okay, I've torn them down. Now I'm going to restore them, and I'm going to rebuild them. And I'm going to make you what I've called you to be. Only God can do that. And I'm going through this very quickly. Uh, breaking strongholds to loose the bands of wickedness. Uh, that's why I meant the bands of wickedness, Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 21, 14 through 21. Uh, we kind of went through that scripture, but the only way that, that that demon could come out was by prayer and by fasting. There are some things that the only way we can do battle, the only way that we're going we're gonna to succeed is not with that sword, not with that fist, not with that ability, not with that emotion, not with that, that regard and that, that concern. But no, it's going to be strictly by the Spirit. Only God is going to be able to do that. Amen. Praise God. Fasting with prayer, and I want to just get a couple more things in real quickly. Fasting with prayer will allow you to experience what Ezra wrote about. And this is my second to last scripture. Ezra chapter 8, verse number 21. To undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free. Goes on to say, Then shall thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here am I. And the Lord, it goes on to say, shall guide thee continually. That is what God wants to do for us. Every day, every day, he wants to guide us. He wants us to be uh, just in a position where we hear him, and we see him, and we regard him as being the most important thing in our life. The flesh, the things of this life, that's so secondary but in the spiritual realm. And I believe that praying with fasting will allow us to see like we've never seen before. Amen. Praise God. And I got more, but I, I'm, I'm not going to... I'll finish it some other time. Understand the, the meaning of fasting. 
Understand that we, we must fast. We must allow God to do that deep work in our life. Amen. That is the true healing. That is the trueness of the Spirit of what He wants to allow to happen in our hearts and in our lives. And the only way it's going to happen is to, this cometh out only by, what? Prayer and fasting. God, do a deep work in us. God, do a deep work in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. Amen.